tuning you in now to the LBX Daily Show. Brought to you by the LBX Collective. Your community to connect, engage, and inspire. Now, let's get ready to roll. With your hosts, Christine Buer and Brandon Wiley. All right. Well, hello, everybody. This is uh, Brandon Wiley, and uh, I am here alone today. So Christine had something else that she had going on today. And so uh, it is me solo. And it is me solo on one of the greatest days ever, actually, which is National Bring Your Teddy Bear to Work Day. So I am enjoying, uh, enjoying my little buddy here. This is the uh, this is the honey badger from the honey badger meme. So if you haven't watched that honey badger meme, then I highly encourage you to go and do that. And um, you know we're just gonna we're just gonna hang out here together. So anyway, uh, all right. So today I thought I'd pick out a unique theme instead of uh, you know try to do some themes whenever I'm running things on my own. And so I thought today would be there's a lot of really good Disney articles coming out. So I thought I'd make today Disney Day. And I know you're thinking like, okay, well, what does this have to do with LBE? But just just hold on, and you know, let me uh, let, let me get you there. I'll, I'll get you there. So, but first, we're going to start with a little bit of cool trivia. I actually didn't know this. So, Club Thirty Three. If you guys are all familiar with Club Thirty Three, I'll go ahead and pull this thing up here. You guys may have walked through the New Orleans Square in Disneyland. Um, if you're very familiar at all with Disney lore, uh, Club 33 is an exclusive club that uh, really, frankly, you can't get into uh, like ever. Unless you know a member who is already a member and they get you a member pass, you can then get into Club 33. And uh, and, and it's a lot of fun. Presumably, I've never been in. I, I don't know any members that have ever been able to get me in. That being said, the, you can write a letter and request membership, but there's a long waiting list. They don't just let anybody in. And assuming they even do accept your, your petition to join Club 33, it is a $30,000 upfront fee and then a $10,000 annual fee in order to maintain your membership of Club 33. Uh, that being said, um, it is pretty cool. So if you kind of walk through, this is the, uh, the the feeling, you know, obviously it's like this sort of Victorian era uh, feel inside, you know, lots of plush, dark, you know, dark mahogany. But I think what's really cool is if you like zoom in and your eyes on this, uh, so I'm just showing a couple of pictures for those of you who are listening, there's a chandelier that's hanging and everything around has this little Club 33 logo on it, the little 33 logo. And the chandelier has a 33 embossed in gold leaf on some sort of stone that's on there. And they just have those little touches everywhere. So even though they've got this exclusive club, they of course go Disney and they infuse the branding of that club throughout the entire thing to give you a feeling of this like exclusivity, this VIP experience. This is as you walk through the hall, there's an aisle that's uh, just filled with wine, which I've spent some time there. Of course, you have this amazing looking bar, something you'd see like probably in a speakeasy or uh, or, or, you know, some really nice exclusive bar. And then, you know, you have your dining area that you can like look outside. If you're looking at this picture, there's this really nice dining area. It's really plush. All of the plateware actually has 33 etched into it. But then if you look out the window, you see all the poor bastards that are standing in line for Haunted Mansion, because obviously Club 33, if you don't know, is above Haunted Mansion Castle. And uh, that is, uh, you know, it's all in that area, in that New Orleans Square area. So, all right. But what is the unique little trivia about Club 33? Well, I didn't know. So, you know, the the, the common thinking was that it was based on its address. Uh, so, you know, there's there's actually street addresses in New Orleans. And so the original entrance did fall at a 33 number, but they've since moved the entrance, but obviously kept the Club 33 name. And the reason actually goes all the way back to when Disneyland was first being built. And he needed 
sponsors to help pay for the facility, uh, not the, like the whole thing, right? The whole Disneyland facility. And so there were originally 33 sponsors. Some of those built out their own shops. So among some of the original 33 sponsors were Pepsi Cola. They sponsored the Golden Horseshoe, Coca-Cola, the Refreshment Corner, Carnation. Obviously, you guys would recognize the Carnation Cafe. And then Chicken of the Sea and Frito-Lay was Casa de Fritos. Um, and so there's you know all of these different sponsors that came on board and sponsored the different areas and different uh, food and beverage places and, and rides and everything else that uh, you know, basically helped to build and finance Disneyland. And so he named Club 33 ultimately after those 33 sponsors and those sponsors had access to Club 33. It was the VIP places where they could hold meetings if they wanted to with other executives. And, and so it was really this VIP experience. And the reason I bring up th this up is you know, some of the conversation, and it's actually come up on one of the sound off. So I think sound off two or sound off one with Kevin Williams. And we talked about this idea of delivering a VIP experience inside of our LBE venues. It could be something extra, you know, through if you've, you've reached a certain level of visits, you get this VIP access to somewhere or something extra or something personalized. And so Club 33 is just that perfect example of, you know, maybe there were investors who helped fund your venue as it was being developed. Is there a way to provide them a v, some sort of VIP access, VIP space. And it's something that certainly Christine and I, as we're working on developing our own venue, and, uh, and, and when we launch our Ground Up podcast, that will actually be a documentary of that process, uh, you'll get to hear some of those conversations we've had around how do we provide that extra level of VIP experience for, for those, well, the people we want to be VIPs, either those who are super loyal or those who have helped develop or friends and family or whatever that might be. So, um, anyway, so that's that's Club Thirty Three. A little bit of a little bit of history there, and I did fact check. That is, did it actually came from the sponsors? Even though the the common myth, uh, mythology is that it was based on its address location, so that is accurate. All right. So one of the other things I wanted to to take a look at here, I'll share my screen a little bit. There's a new thing that Disney is rolling out, and this is just right now at Walt Disney World, and it's called Disney Character Clips. And the Disney character clips are interesting because it allows you to go up to a big mirror type uh, screen and you select the different characters and you're able to then take pictures with those characters, like selfies, basically with those animated characters. And then it is uh, synced automatically to your My Disney Experience app. And so I thought instead of me explaining it like I just did, maybe it'd be better to watch it. So I'll go ahead and... So for those of you who are just listening, uh, they are walking in and there's a couple of people, they scan their magic band or their card or you can use the app, and then they're able to go right up to the screen. They pick which characters they want in the picture with them. And in this case, they select it all four. They stand back a little ways, then they pose, and then the characters, super realistic characters, pose around them. And so it's almost like as if you had the actual characters physically there with you, and they're sort of 3D, and so you're able to really feel a little bit more immersive. And then it automatically syncs to your uh, to your app because you first tapped that in the first place, and now you've got that in your My Disney Experience app. So pretty, pretty cool. You can see uh, some pictures there. And um, yeah, that is their little scenario. And that is called the, that is called Disney Clips. Uh, so 
pretty cool. Uh, sorry, not Disney clips, Disney character clicks. And so I'm sure we'll see this. Uh, it looks they're just testing it out as they often do. But we'll see this around and um, pretty cool, immersive little experience. Um, sort of if you've ever done uh, if you've ever done face place and the Marvel experience where some of the Marvel characters are there or whatever. And, you know, you, you can do that with uh, with the selfie self photos. They've done this, but they've really done it in much more animated fashion where like the characters are actually moving and they're kind of posing and that kind of stuff for you. So uh, anyway, pretty cool. All right. So the next thing I wanted to talk about, again, Disney related at some level, is a Blue Loop actually put out a really good article. And I'm going to drop this article link because it's long. So I'm not going to bother posting it here on the screen. I'll drop it into the Daily Show uh, channel inside of our Discord. So again, if you haven't joined our Discord server, make sure you go ahead and do that at lbxcollective.com. Just a little, little, little promotion there. But I'm going to drop this link there because it's really, I think it's worth going through and having a read because I think this is the type of experience that we don't want to have at our LBE venues. And so the article title was called Theme Park Reservations and the Slow Death of Spontaneity. And those of us who've had the Disney Genie Plus experience, if you haven't and you haven't been to one of the Disney parks recently, it's a it's an incredibly exhausting experience, frankly. And you go and like the first thing you do when you wake up before you've even left for the park, you wake up at 7 a.m. and you try to grab your lightning lane passes for the rise of the resistance or, you know, whatever other one it might be. And then you like miss it and you're like, well, shit, I didn't get to go to the rise of resistance. So now you've already started off your experience sort of disappointed, but then it's fine. So you, you go ahead and you, you go, you, you know, get finished getting ready and you go and take your family to the park. And then as soon as you walk through the gates, because a lot of the things you can't do with genie plus is reserve a line, you know, reserve a, a lightning lane for through genie plus until you actually are inside the park. So the first thing you do is instead of just enjoying the park, you immediately pull up your app and you start strategizing and everybody's pulling up their app. They're like, okay, well I can grab this genie plus here. And then you're going to go and do this. And like, Oh, well, wait, we're not all linked together and sync together. And it's just this giant pain in the ass of trying to, do this. Now, this all started obviously with the fast pass back in the day. And that was actually a really interesting thing because it allowed me to still go. And if I wanted to skip a line, I could do this fast pass and come back to a certain window. And then that was it. But now it has us planning out our entire day and we have to get so strategic and think about it. And then if the one o'clock time frame comes and the lightning lane opens up again for uh, for rise of resistance and I don't get there and do, do that one o'clock and maybe I missed that queue. Now I've just paid to come into the park. And I haven't gotten to do Rise of the Resistance. Even if I walked in, and this is an assertion they make in the article, and I totally agree with it. Even if I walked through into that park and I wanted to only do Rise of the Resistance, which frankly, I would be willing to wait a couple of hours to only do Rise of the Resistance or spend half my day waiting in line to go and do that. And I'd be willing to do that and pay the same price of admission. But now I have to pay extra to go to that ride. Okay, sure. You want to do that. That's fine. But I wanted to do it and I was willing to wait and I didn't even have a chance to do that because it was sold out for the whole day. And so this is part of the issue that they're asserting, which is we're really losing that opportunity for spontaneity. And so we all know that there are certain types of attractions within our own venues that we have to have bookings, right? So like bowling lanes, for example, or axe throwing lanes, or now darts and you know shuffleboard and pickleball, if I have to say that, um, you know, all of these others that are, you know, doing these things, um, I have to reserve those things and I can't just come in and show up and look, that's fine. But then if that's the only thing I have available and I just wanted to walk in and play some darts with my friends at flight club, but all the flight club things are booked, 
and I don't want to just sit around and have a drink, I'm going to leave. And so there's certain amounts of, uh, you know, they know that there's people who would, you know, Disney knows that there's people who want to go to the Rise of Resistance. They clearly have capacity, but they're intentionally holding back that capacity to let it to actually drive additional revenue, additional sales. Again, it's a business decision, but it's a business decision that is that is decreasing or taking away from that guest experience. And so just a word of caution, and I imagine that there are things that eventually they will change to pull back from that as well. Um, all right. I put, I put the kind of negative thing in the middle um, because I want to focus on two other really cool things that are happening at Disney, and then we'll wrap it up. So the next thing was actually at the International Conference on Intelligent Robots and Systems in Detroit last week, uh, Disney unveiled a new, it's nameless currently, but a new nameless bipedal robot that he sort of like waddles and does really cool things. It's unassisted. They can remain balanced, uh, like even when pushed. So think about those dogs you've all seen from MIT. You're pushing these dogs, kicking those like, you know, little robot dogs and they're not falling over. Same thing happens with this one. And literally like a rug, we'll watch a video about it. So the, what's cool is the robot is mostly 3D printed. So it's you know pretty quick production and they can iterate on it very quickly. And it was developed from a research team based in Zurich in less than a year. Um, and so a lot of things that they do is, um, the quote here I'll read specifically that came from a Disney research scientist, Morgan Pulp. Um, they said, most roboticists are focused on getting their pedal robots to reliably walk. Okay, fair enough, because it's not easy to do on two legs. Um, even we struggle with it sometimes, uh, especially if you've had too much to drink. And at Disney, that might not be enough. Our robots may have to strut, prance, sneak, trot, or meander to convey the emotion that we need them to. So they're not just trying to get a robot to walk. They're trying to get a robot to emote in the way that it moves around in the world and interacts with the people around it. And so that is pretty cool. And so what's, what's again, doubly cool about this is they've developed this robot to be used as a platform so that actually animators and imagineers can develop new robots in months versus years that it typically takes. And so they're able to take, the animators are able to like animate and connect, you know, the physics to the actual physics of that of the real robot. And so having that API connection between animation and the actual dri you know, driving motion of this robot. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to go ahead and watch this video. And uh, because there's really nothing that I can do. So if you're listening, I'm sorry, but you've got to go and watch this video. So maybe just go and find us on YouTube or on Facebook and, uh, and then go ahead and watch. So I'm going to go ahead and pull this back up again. And look over there. Hey. So cool. So if you, uh, you know, again, you weren't watching it, but the, like what's what I, what I loved about it was that it had so much emotion and had character to it. It looked like you were watching a Wally with his own mind and its own thing. And obviously it was either remote controlled or programmed. Um, but, uh, you know, 
it, it was uh, it was pretty pretty cool. And like little antenna are moving, and its its head tilts just right and looks around and it looks kind of curious in the way it moves. And so, just phenomenal. Um, it's not just a functional robot, which it obviously is, and highly technical, but it also has the emotion connected to it. So, again, probably not not relevant necessarily to us, but uh, to uh, as we start to see more and more robots being infused into our LBE venues, even if it's just robots that are delivering food, um, which we're obviously seeing or taking orders. Uh, it's important to make sure that we're humanizing those and making sure that they're adding to the guest experience. And we're not just introducing them for novelty's sake. We want to improve and enhance the experience. All right. So this last one I'm going to talk about, and I'm really going to just play two short videos. And these are about 45 seconds each, um, but I'm going to let Lucy Edwards uh, really do this talking. So she visited uh, Tokyo Disney Sea, and she actually has a a YouTube channel that's focused on basically her as a blind person who's became blind later in her life, was not born blind, but who became blind later in her life, how she interacts and travels and moves around the world and showcases different unique cases where things are really good or where they're bad. And um, at Tokyo, she visited Tokyo Disney Sea and she was blown away at the amount of accessibility and uh, specifically for blind people and the amount of attention and care that was given. And so really a great reminder for us as we think about doing, uh, you know, improving things in our venues, making sure that they're accessible, that we're really thinking through how we are delivering at uh, the same level or at least an enhanced level of, uh, of experience for those who need additional accessibility. So I'm going to go ahead and play this clip from Lucy Edwards. Tokyo and I'm feeling all of the different rides because they have tactile models here of every single ride in the park. I'm feeling quite emotional because I remember going on this um, pirate ship ride when I was younger. You sit here and then there's the bar, it comes over you. It's so cool. I can have the same experience that everyone else is having by looking at the rides and now I can feel it. Oh, this is the Jungle Cruise ride. Oh, it's a little boat. Oh, okay. With like a canopy over it. Oh, so you, this is the canopy and you, do you sit under here? Yes. Honestly, genuinely, it is really helping my experience. I was kind of a bit scared in a way to come back to Disneyland when I have so many visual memories of it. But it's making me feel really emotional that I can feel it. Someone's obviously carved this beautifully. Yeah, it's all carved out of wood. That's so cool. And so what's amazing about this before we play the next one? I'm blind and I'm um, what's amazing about this is that uh, she, uh, or that's that actually somebody, one of the cast members, who you didn't catch this at the beginning, one of the cast members actually brought her over to those, who recognized she was blind, and then brought her over and showed her these models and helped walk through it. So it wasn't just that Disney spent some time and actually put those in place, um, but it's that that, that she actually. Um, or that, that's that one of the cast members actually took the time and saw that and like delivered a personalized experience for her. So again, just something we really should be thinking about and how we deliver enhanced experiences, not just for those who need ex additional accessibility, but for really everybody and be looking out for those opportunities. So this is the last one. Um, and she is in a bathroom, but, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and let her talk about it. I'm blind and I'm in Tokyo at Disney Sea. Apologies for the sweaty, 40 degrees English girl with fan around the neck look, but I just needed to talk to you about the disabled toilet here. But I got so excited because there's Braille on the toilet! When does that happen in the UK? Braille on the toilet. <laughs> it's just, and it's so big. The whole of Tokyo as a whole is just wider. It's got space for access. 
on the rides here. There's been wheelchair users get on and off. I found it really accessible. I can even shut the door, I think. Yeah, there's a thing right next to the, the toilet. Yeah. So it has open in Japanese Braille, so that will open the door. I'm going to go, boom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then obviously, like, flush and everything. I really wish this trip I could have read Japanese Braille. I'm actually thinking of learning it now. I, I seriously need to come back to Japan. It's amazing. It's even so, so that's, uh, so, you know, basically took time to put Braille on the different devices and items and areas inside the bathroom even. And so, again, just that extra level of accessibility that uh, would be great for us all to see in our space. So, uh, all right, that wraps up our daily show for today. So this is the day show for October 11th. Also, my daughter's 14th birthday today. So I'm sure she'll be super excited to know that I mentioned her um, on the show. But uh, we'll go ahead and sign off here to all of you LBXers. This is BW signing off. Stay tuned and keep kicking ass.